The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the TFA Dino Show. I'm Robbie Jeffries, and I am pumped to have Cal Shoemake in the house, rocking with me for the first time. Cal, we've been kind of chatting a little bit back and forth. We've been following each other for a while. You are part of Dynasty League Football. You do Ask DLF on their YouTube, which I love. You guys answer every single question, right? doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if it goes one hour, hour and a half. Sometimes you guys are going two hours plus. You get some late evenings over there. It's so much fun, though. Like I think that show in particular has such a great chat group like i love the interaction like sometimes you'll see people answering others questions and like just some of the funny stuff that's come up over the course we're actually next week i believe is our one year that we've been doing it and i just i think it's so much fun the interaction there and you know i we were talking a little bit before i just i love the some of the ways that you know we have now to communicate with each other and the different things. And so I, I, I love this. I appreciate you having me on, appreciate the work that you're doing, man. And, and uh, yeah, looking forward to hearing more and looking forward to this conversation. Yeah. And that conversation for everybody listening is going to be kind of talking some player values specifically to individual players. And then maybe just generally how we uh, determine values with older players, younger players, right. We're talking about dynasty and there's always that juxtapose of, of when you're, uh, looking to contend when you're looking to rebuild and that big old middle piece that we all try to avoid, but sometimes you just find yourself in one way or the other. So uh, I'm excited to, to chat with you here, but to kick it off, we, we are kind of in rookie season. I know a lot of people have already done their rookie drafts. I am the commissioner. I feel like in every league that I'm in, so I I'm terrible to myself. And I said it all on one day just because I don't want to have, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, this one's this time. And then this one's at this date. And so I, we all just started them literally today. I have like three options and then another handful of drafts. Um, so I'm kind of just getting into it. Uh, and I'm curious from you, from the ones you have done, the ones you still yet to do, what have, what have you kind of seen as like the best rookie value um, that it's either happened or you're seeing in these mocks? Oh, that's a good question. I, so most of mine are actually done at this point. Like I, most of my rookie drafts, I do have, I want to say four or five of them left. And there's a, a Debbie auction that I'm in now, which is a totally different animal, which is fun. I'm getting more into now, but uh, a lot of the value is in getting picks next year. <laughs> I mean, sure. I hate to say it that way, but I mean, I think there is a lot of um, hope and prayers that are going on this uh, this season. There's some obviously high end guys that are fun and exciting. Um, late round, I'm excited when David Bell falls too far and I get to draft him or uh, the honestly justin ross his value like he was going in the fourth round a lot of my drafts early on which was great i I was trying to scoop him up where i could and you know just some of that the way that some of that would fall it's uh but 
any opportunity I got and will have in the future to trade into something for next season, I, that's what I want. I, I want to trade out of these picks and get something in the future. Have you been doing that then? So let's say you've had, um, you know, a handful of firsts. Well, are you trading out of, you know, most of those leagues, kind of doing a couple of selections, uh, trading into the second and then getting a future capital? How's that look? Just maybe give us one or two examples. It, there's different uh, breaking points, I guess you'd say. But So if I was like in the beginning of a break, like there's number one and then really two through six are pretty similar. And yeah. then there's that seven, eight, nine, ten range where they're all kind of about the same and then yeah. another break from there. So, you know, it's just trying to uh, strategically move around as best I could. Unfortunately, a lot of people were doing that too. Yeah. So like the, the ways that I was able to do some of the, some of the maneuvering was packaging players and picks together, combining them and being able to pick up something for next year. And uh, that's the way I'd usually like to do, do those things. And it just, there are so many different ways that we could talk about this. If we talk about it in a vacuum, then yeah, great. I want 23 picks, but if we talk about it in real actual drafts, sometimes you have to make that pick and you got to figure out, figure it out from there. So that, that obviously that happens too, but um, yeah. 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 And I don't think that's necessarily a, a bad thing because so many people are trying to do that. Right. Like that's just, you talk to anybody, Hey, try and try and get 2023 20, first. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and so I found that I've already traded my 2022 picks. So I had at least the two drafts, the three drafts that are happening right now. Uh, one of, one of the leagues and then came in, 10 or, or third and another one. Right. So I'm, I'm at the end and mm -hmm. I, and we kind of knew kind of coming into this class a while ago that it wasn't going to be great. Right. Going all the way back to 2021 preseason. And I was like, what, what pieces can kind of put me over the edge. And so I made those moves, some of them better than others. One was maybe mm -hmm. Robert Woods and got injured and not looking so great, but um, at the time, right. Robert Woods coming off a lot of really strong wide receiver two years. And so um, for those leagues, I don't have any first round picks. So I'm kind of in a similar boat. I'm just not getting that 2023 first. I kind of already used it. Mm -hmm. um, but then for for the auction leagues that I'm in, which I can't pound the table enough for auction leagues because you ju can just do whatever you want based on the money that you have. It's not that you're stuck to getting just one first, one second, one third. You can allocate that money however um, it fits. And and that one, I think I'm kind of going in that range that you're talking about, kind of the 108, 109, maybe the mm -hmm. 107, trying to keep, catch that last of that tier um, that you were referencing. So yeah, it's kind of been all over the table. I, I've seen Chris Olave, who's a guy I like go at 108, which I think he's higher than that. And then David mm -hmm. Bell slipping to to sometimes mid second round. And he's a guy that I feel like the hate's gone too far. So those are two guys that I'm um, hopefully I can wrangle in on some of these auctions. And the one that I'm hoping goes in front of me is James Cook. And I think we had mentioned him a little bit in our, or maybe I mentioned him in our messages back and back and forth. And that's one that, you know, the bills have, in my opinion, been very clear about the role they want him to play and what they want him to do. And it's a new role for the offense itself, where there's so many things that are consistent and carrying over, but they want this. And actually, if you read the headlines, even going into last season, they were talking about potentially a big play threat and they never could quite get their hands on that right player in 2021. So I think they think they, man, they don't really want to completely overhaul their offense with a brand new thing, but they have this one role that's, Naheem Heinzish is kind of, in my opinion, what they're going for. And, but I think James Cook is being drafted like they want him to be Dalvin Cook, you know, as opposed to uh, JD McKissick. And it's, it's too much. He shouldn't be going around uh, above some of the people he's going above.
Yeah, like, like take same player, but change his name to James Beatty, right? Like it's not Tyler mm-hmm. Beatty, it's James Beatty, and he has the same Georgia stats. He's the same thing. He's just not Dalvin Cook's brother. I don't think mm-hmm. we see him go there, right? Like I get it. He got the capital, and so a lot of people are seeing that. We like the offense. We haven't seen Josh Allen use the running backs all that often in the passing game. But again, they've, they've had Cole Beasley, who's essentially kind of that extension mm-hmm. just in the slot. So um, yeah, that one will be interesting, but I'm definitely a, a little bit lower as well um, on, on James Cook. I think DLF has him as running back 27 and I'm all the way down at running back 38. So I am quite a bit lower and, and maybe it's just because I, I think Devin Singletary is better than most people think. Like maybe that's mm. kind of hot takey, but um I don't know. James Cook for, for me just didn't run inside the tackles. And so he's very pushed into, like you're saying, a Naeem Hines' role, which we saw Naeem Hines have a really good season, but everything had to go right. And guess what? They they threw to the running back all the time, right? That was uh Rivers mm-hmm. year, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. He threw he threw to the running back all Bingo. the time. And mm-hmm. so Josh Allen's not that quarterback. And so we'll see. But that's I love how we kicked it off right there. We kind of merged the rookies right into these agreements. And, and we're gonna have some disagreements because mm-hmm. we like doing that here at TFA where you know, we're going to, we're going to talk 360 globe on these players. You like this player. I don't like them. Let's talk about why and let these listeners make their own determinations based on all the information. We love doing that here, but first we'll start off with civil. We got to keep it civil to start. And so James Cook is one person we, we agree on. Uh, Let's talk about some of these quarterbacks here because there's a trio here Mm -hmm. that I think are super interesting and they're kind of all clustered for me in, in in my rankings for dynasty. And that's Jalen Hurts, Trevor Lawrence, and then Tua. For me, I have Trevor Lawrence at QB 10, Jalen Hurts at QB 11, and Tua at QB 12. And I just realized when I started looking at D- DLF's ADP, this is not the rankings, but mm-hmm. um, I'm actually kind of low on Jalen Hurts. They have him as QB 9. For, this is uh, May's uh, Superflex ADP. So obviously, you know, it can change if you're going to startup or whatever, but um, I have them all really clustered there. They have Hurts at QB 9. This is DLF. They have Trevor Lawrence at QB 11 and then Tua down there at QB 16. So the one that really stands out for me is, is Tua. Mm-hmm. You kind of like some of these guys. Talk to me about how you kind of mesh it and kind of pull them apart a little bit because they seem like they're just all in one bunch for me. Tua is the one that to me. So gosh, Tua and Trevor are the two that I think they're, you got so much of the community that is lower on them than they should be. And I get it. I'm not saying that I don't understand why the community is down on them because they, Trevor Lawrence, undeniably underperformed last season. Yep. That is just a, that's a fact. You can't get away from that. Um, and look, the history of QBs that underperformed there in, in year one, there's not, there's not as, there's more Mitch Trubisky's than there are Josh Allen's bouncing back from that. Right. Yep. So I get it. But I think what we saw last year with Urban Meyer being the coach of Ohio State and running an offense that, ran one of the fewest plays per game in the NFL did not provide a lot of opportunity for Trevor Lawrence to do his thing. Daryl Bevel, the guy that wants to like, you know, was with Seattle wants to establish the run wants to, you know, like again, slow the game down. It's not the kind think about Clemson. Do you think about that at all with what Trevor Lawrence was good at and what made him good? No, you think about somebody that's going to be up tempo, a lot of plays per game, in steps Doug Peterson, who always ran a ton of plays with the Eagles when he was there and also understands quarterback, understands situation. He never had like, you know, like these people talk about his, um, Trevor's weapons that he's dealing with. But I, I don't think I think sometimes we overestimate that. And, and I think I think Trevor Lawrence is just as likely to help make somebody like Christian Kirk fulfill the potential that he has 
than it is for somebody like Christian Kirk being uh, a primary target, hurting him, if that makes sense. So like I, I'm all in on the upside and the, and the pedigree and all those things for him. And that transitions over to, to a, the same way for me, where again, in steps, a, another core, another head coach coordinator who has a um, background of being very smart, understanding how to take full advantage of his players, a coach that actually likes Tua, which seeming like nobody liked him before. Shocking how that helps sometimes, I'm sure. Right. Now you get a field stretcher like Tyreek Hill in the house. And I mean, th- there's a lot of exciting weapons there in Miami. And unless they're just all going to fall on their face, Tua is going to be good. So. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and I love how you put that because well, let's just start with two, because that's where you left off is that Tua has the prospect profile. He comes mm-hmm. off major injury rookie year, kind of split in time. Not the guy is the guy, not the guy, mostly not the guy, right? This mm-hmm. next year, coach is still not in love with him, right? Trade, is he going to get traded? Is he out the door for Watson, right? There's no there's no belief system. There's no instilled confidence. His weapons are De- Devontae Parker and, and Mike Kosicki. Mm-hmm. And his running backs are Miles Gaskin. I know there's some Miles Gaskin's truthers out mm-hmm. there, but it's Miles Gaskin and Savon Ackman. And, and so there's just not a lot for him to work with. And he still does relatively well. Like, I think that's one thing people kind of don't really realize with his efficiency. His accuracy rating was third. If you go to player profiler, his completion percentage was was ninth. His true red zone uh, completion percentage was first, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, his play action completion. Like he was just, he was efficient with what they gave him. And this is without a Tyreek Hill who we can have our discussion about Tyreek Hill versus Jalen Waddle and how they're going to do. It doesn't matter. They're on his team. So if you're Mm -hmm. not sure who to pick from the wide receivers and they're both very, very good, pick the quarterback, you know what I mean? And when there's a tight end to boot. And I would say Chase Edmonds is an upgrade in the passing game from, mm-hmm. from Gaskin. Um, oh, by the way, you know, Cedric Wilson is their wide receiver three, who I'm not going to pump the table for him, but that's better than their wide receiver previously. So mm-hmm. there just so many things have to go wrong for him not to succeed. And there's still that possibility. That's why he's not ranked at, at where he would be if I didn't have that, that fear, but for him to eat outside your, your top 12 QBs when he has Tyreek kill Jalen Waddle and, and this offensive-minded head coach, I don't know. It's it's a little low for me. And like you said, I get why they um, have those doubts. But I don't want to be the person that has to see it to believe it because then I'm behind the eight ball. So mm-hmm. I just did a startup, and I took Trevor Lawrence, and then I took Tua. And so if you look at my quarterbacks, they're undeniably scarier propositions than most other people. But if they both hit like we think they should – talk about just sustained success for we always look in chunks of three to five years, whatever you want to say. It's, it's hard to beat those two young prospects with what they're starting to cultivate around them. So um, yeah, I completely agree with those. What about Jalen hurts then? Cause I think he obviously doesn't have that same prospect profile coming in really mm-hmm. good prospect. Probably actually we knocked him for a lot of stuff um, that we maybe shouldn't have. Cause he gets replaced, goes to Oklahoma, um, you know, accuracy questions his first year. Um, now he gets AJ Brown are you jumping up into the top 10 QBs like DLF? And I thought I was hiring him at QB 11. seems like I'm maybe low on him, but I, I really don't feel that way. What are your thoughts? So he finished as the QB nine last season. Also, it looks like I just pulled up. Uh, when you look at weeks one, one to 18, it uh, looks like that's where he finished last season. So what he does have that Tua and Trevor Lawrence don't have is he does now have a top 10 finish under his belt, which is going to, was just going to bode very well for him. Now people look at him and they say like, ah, he's going to be replaced. Okay. And they want to start citing some more traditional quarterback metrics as soon as they start having that conversation. And 
I get it because we valued and looked at, looked at quarterbacks a certain way for years and years and years. But I, one of the things people have preached so often is what do you do on third down? What do you do in the red zone? And I know that the Eagles last season were top 10 in both with Jalen Hurts as their quarterback. So you tell me, like, is Jalen Hurts a good quarterback because he's – is he a bad quarterback because, you know, PFF is looking at certain things on for a quarterback that haven't really changed very much in 20 years? Or is Nick Sirianni going to look and say, like, this guy is helping my offense without A.J. Brown convert – third downs. And you know what I need to score points and win football games? I need to convert third downs. And you know what I need? I need to convert for points when I'm in the red zone. And so guess what? Jalen Hurts is leading an offense that's doing that. So I do think sometimes we look at the wrong metrics when we think about the safety of of a quarterback. Like, is he going to be their quarterback or is he not? And I think if I'm looking... So let's just say the Eagles aren't smart enough to figure that out. Right. Somebody is. And, and he's even if in, so because one of the things people say in dynasty is, yeah, okay, he's going to be replaced and then he's not going to be starting anymore. I just think there's zero chance of that because he is successfully leading an offense in a way that is producing good results on the field. And as long as he's doing that or somebody sees that he has the ability to do that, he's going to keep getting opportunities. And for us in dynasty fantasy football, that's good news for us. He's going to get starts. And when he does have starts, he's an elite rusher and he's going to score points. So very safe investment for me. Yeah. And you talk about how he, you know, they're worried about him not being a starter, you know, and what can happen at that point. Well, I think we're seeing that with Jameis Winston right now, honestly, right? Like Jameis Winston loses a job in Tampa Bay. You could have bought him for pennies on the dollar because he's never going to start again. Marcus Mariota to a lesser degree too, but let's just stick mm-hmm. with Winston. I kind of like him as as the Saints quarterback, right? Especially if we get any type of Michael Thomas production, right? He's got a nice little wide receiver core. We know they're going to have to throw it. They lost a lot of pieces on their defense. Alvin Kamara, one of the best receiving backs. Like, not to make this a Jameis Winston conversation, but like he was he was the first overall pick. Then he, he loses his job, right? He throws thirty touchdowns, thirty interceptions. Not going to hack it. Mm-hmm. He started last year until he got hurt in this year. So what we missed a year of production from him where he was a backup and then he's right back at it. 2020, I think was the last year. And so mm-hmm. that absolutely is, is in the cards for, for Jalen hurts too. And, and here's my thing. It, it's maybe it's the same argument I'm making with, with the dolphins and, and Tua, and you probably can't make this for everybody. Cause not everybody can be a good football team, but like if all these other guys are going to succeed and this is going to be an even better offense than we saw last year, they're going to be a good NFL team at, at, at some point. And Jalen Hurts actually doesn't turn the ball over a ton. Like that was his big knock in the first, what he have four starts as a rookie or whatnot. He was just mm-hmm. turning the ball over. He actually did a pretty decent job of hanging on the ball uh, of not turning the football over. And so I understand if some of your old metrics, that I think you're kind of talking about with PFF, like, yep, he's not going to be the most accurate guy because that's not his game. And now it's not Lamar Jackson's game. And that's sometimes not mm-hmm. Kyler Murray's game, right? Like there's sometimes that is passed up for when you're the rushing quarterback. Just not that wasn't yeah. Josh Allen's game either until his magical 2020 season, right? He had right. a horrendous uh, pass uh, completion. So mm-hmm. you you can turn you can take that, but as long as you're not turning the football over and you're converting on third down, which I love how you brought that up. I didn't even realize that that's mm-hmm. so important to to coaches is not turning the football over and, and completing third downs. 
Um, and, and so, yeah, I really like uh, Jalen Hurts there. And, and for people who are worried about him, if he's going to be the starter, I say you take advantage of that for sure. I'm surprised in Dynasty he's not – or excuse me, in redraft, because you don't have to worry about that. Like for me, in redraft, he'd be like a top three quarterback. Like through the first – what was it, 12 weeks before Miles Sanders got hurt and they were like full rush, like we're just going to run it all the time. Boston Scott, mm-hmm. let's go, right? Jordan mm-hmm. Howard, let's go. Uh, he, he was a top – I think he was like the quarterback – three or something like that. He was fantastic. So um, improved weapons, right? I, I'm all in with, with some Jalen Hurts. Mm. And and I'm going to keep that that love train going because can't get enough of Michael Pitts, another guy, or Michael mm. Pittman, another mm. guy I got in this startup. He's wide receiver 14 for me. He's wide receiver 17 in DLF ADP. Give me some, some Michael Pittman love. Are you right there? Yeah, I am. And I think a lot of it is, I think, you know, when we look at, when we look at at wide receivers who have the kind of profile that he has, like I, I do think that there was a rocky start in his first year where some people started to get out on him a little bit, but the injury, some of the things that he had, like it was some there was some quarterback turnover. Hey, Carson Wentz last year, who you know, it's so funny right now listening to anybody talk about Indianapolis and how they talk about how they're so glad they have a quarterback that can put the ball on them when they're in their breaks, (laughs) you know, when they're like, or before they turn, you know, like they they talk about the way they talk about him is the same way. It reminds me now, this is a very different situation. I'm not comparing the two quarterbacks themselves, but last season when the wide receivers were talking about Matt Stafford and how it's so great to have a quarterback that can throw the ball to be, I can't remember exactly what they said, but it was like, gosh, like just all of this dirt being thrown on golf last golf last year. I feel like the same thing's happening now in Indianapolis. And if you're talking about giving me, giving me a guy like Michael Pittman, who like has all, like all the things that you want out of a wide receiver who could be a stud, he's got them. And when we talk about um, sustainability and I was just looking at wide receiver 17 is where he is right now. He's 24 years old. He's six, four, he's 223 pounds. Like he is a tough guy to cover. And, you know, I, I love that um, for him, for his they up upgraded to a veteran quarterback like Matt Ryan, who is probably motivated to prove he still has it. A, coach that knows what he's what he's doing but they also didn't bring in like all of these weapons that are gonna pull away from him right like he they're like you are the guy we are getting you the ball and opportunity creates very attractive fantasy players and i just i don't think a year from now unless things go just like horrifically wrong i don't think there's any chance that he's still wide receiver 17 in adp i think he's a top 12 wide receiver yeah no absolutely like he gets 129 targets last year. Mm-hmm. T- tell me how many he's getting this year. Cause if you told me 150, I wouldn't say mm-hmm. you're off base. Like I, I get it. That could be the high side. And obviously mm-hmm. we, we know injury can happen, but I'm never going to play that game of, unless you have that history every single year, <laughs> Will Fuller, you know, I'm not going to project that on too many other players. And right. so, okay, we, we have the target volume that I think it was at 25% last year. Uh, they bring in Alec Pierce. They bring in Jelani Woods, right? Like nobody that's going to massively move that number, right? 24 to, hey, can it be, can it be higher? Because no more T.Y. Hilton, who they, when he was playing, they force fed a little bit, right? So mm-hmm. can he go even maybe 26, 27? So somewhere in there, you're telling me this, you just gave the stats for the size, only six touchdowns with Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. And, and again, we're not making the comparison in, in the talent, but Julio 
uh, okay, maybe, maybe actually Julio isn't the bad example because touchdowns weren't always the thing, but big target, mm-hmm. right? Um, Roddy White, like he can make alpha wide receivers, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and this guy I think has the making of that high touchdown floor a la Mike Evans. So I think you have a high touchdown floor, you have a high target share. Um, you know, the yards per reception isn't horrible. It's right there at like 12 and a half yards. So it's not slot wide receiver and it's not your deep burner. So um, yeah, I, I'm I'm just sky high for for Michael Pickman because I think like you said, even if he has let, let's just say he repeats these numbers or something like that, like it's not fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's still it's he's going to maintain value if not still go up because it's going to be like okay, what's what else can come as he continues to evolve? Right, it's the third year breakout too. So like as I say that, that's like my fifteen percent variable right of, mm-hmm. of what can happen. Him at least being equal or better is, is got to be like 70%, like in my mm-hmm. opinion. So I think there's just a, a lot of upside. And, and again, it, there we go. We, we finally hit the upside that we talked about pre-show mm. the upside. What, what I'm looking at that, that's your, your touchdowns, your target share, um, what you can do um, production wise with those, I, I think can put him in that top 10 w- wide receiver finish this year, maybe top, mm-hmm. top 12 is fair to say. And then if you're only 24, Four, I'm guessing at his age, maybe you have it up at 24, 25, not, not 25, I doubt, but that's got to be um, right where you want to be. And that, that changes the conversation from like a DJ Moore, who's four touchdowns, four touchdowns, four touchdowns. Who's his quarterback? I don't know. Is, mm-hmm. it Jimmy, is it Jimmy G next month when he's finally throwing and rehabbed and people are like, okay, he can still throw a football. Maybe right. it is like, I don't know DJ Moore's situation. And I get it. Matt Ryan's not going to be your, your long-term solution, but. Pittman's that guy where where I'm not worried. You mentioned the target share, 25.7% target share last year. And that's, again, like, it just shows you he can still be productive with a with a quarterback who's not performing, like, particularly well. And nobody thinks Carson Wentz necessarily did all that great. And you can tell he's just, he, he is a technician in the way, like, I, I like listening to the way players talk and, like, what they're thinking about, what they're focused on. Because I like I remember doing an interview with Vincent Smith, and he was talking about. Um, I asked him what made what made DeAndre Hopkins the best player because like he's not this incredible athlete. Like you don't look at his, for instance, his player profiler page, and it doesn't jump off the page. So what is it about DeAndre Hopkins that makes him so good? He's like he's the smartest person I've ever been around. Like he is a student of the game. He loves it. And so, like, I ever since then, I've been like, I've, I just try to pay attention to some of those little things that him and maybe other people have told me. Like, when you see people the way they're thinking about this or thinking about that or setting people up and the way they, and I'm like, yes, that's exactly the kind of person that it sounds like Michael Pittman is when I listen to him talk. And I, so I like, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for him. And I just think there is a lot behind the scenes, even that shows up in these great numbers. You put somebody like Matt Ryan with him. And I think, Again, not like Matt Ryan's the greatest quarterback ever, right? But like, I think he's competent and going to be an upgrade in terms of reliability, and and he's going to force feed him. I have no doubt about that. So, yeah. we've never been worried about Matt Ryan until last year when his starting wide receivers were Russell Gage, who I, I respect, but it's it's mm-hmm. probably most times your wide receiver two on most teams, and Zacchaeus, like right, like he didn't have Calvin right. Ridley outside of four games, and then and that guy Kyle Pitts, I guess he's kind of a, a wide receiver as well, but by alcohol um, at the time, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, yep, I, we are in on Michael Pittman. And I, I love how you talked about this. This is something I need to do a little bit better job of following because obviously I don't have access to the players, but like some of that minutiae beyond what's on the football field, right? Like 
how how are they uh, in these interviews? How how do they? What are their play? What do the other teammates say about them? Right? Like I think some of those like coaches are always going to talk them up, right? Most of the time. Sometimes they got a little in between the lines. You can pick up on Carson mm-hmm. Wentz that they had a lot of that last year, but. Um, that's something I need to do a better job on because I do think that stuff adds value. You got to be careful not to let it sway too much because there's a lot of sometimes, you know, random hype that that sometimes we Absolutely. get out of control with. But mm-hmm. uh, for sure, the, the smart players definitely uh, succeed for sure. So, so that right there to me is the biggest advantage a fantasy football player can gain over his competition right now is getting good at that and paying attention to it, listening to what. So not just reading headlines, because if you read headlines, you are going to be led astray, like, like, especially if it confirms prior belief, right? Like, you know, challenge your thoughts, challenge your thinking, challenge um, even like if something doesn't make sense to you, a lot of times you're like, what? And you want to investigate it. But even if it does make sense to you, investigate it, look into it. You're going to learn something. And, you know, a, a huge advantage, right? Nobody is really, everybody writes off everything a coach says about a player and or a teammates or what they say, like, because they're like, ah, well, who can, you know, how can you trust any of that? And they, it's kind of like last year when they were like, Oh, Kyle, Kyle Shanahan, he's just going to have a different running back every time he's back there. Uh, or, or every, every, every game he'll just, and sometimes we'll just do it at random. And I remember going back and like, okay, let me see. Cause if this is right, let me go back and see. And it'll be evident as you go back and study the game. I studied all the game logs. There's no, no time where he all of a sudden just decided on Sunday morning to play a different running back. That's just not the case. There were injuries. There were different things that happened. And, you know, so all of it's explainable if you look for it, but if you don't look for it, it's easy to just say Shanahanigans and throw your arms (laughs) up and you're going to lose an advantage. And I think if you approach every situation like that, I'm not saying you're going to get it hundred percent, right but you'll learn what to look for and you'll learn what to listen for. And, you know, the difference between high level, highest professional athletes on the planet, a lot of times is that little extra of competitiveness or smarts or football IQ or like, and if you can identify, Hey, that Amon St. Brown, for instance, is a brilliant person. He speaks three languages, took the SAT in all three wow. and did well. Like he is a brilliant person. I'm not saying that that means he's going to be super successful, but I do think it's part of why he's been successful and oh, for sure, you know, why I think he will be. So, yeah, no, that's, that's great stuff. And I love how you brought up the 49ers example, because mm-hmm. I hear that all the time. No, no, you can't trust it. He's going to mix his backs. It's like, no, no, he works a bell cow. They just get hurt mm-hmm. all the time. Like there's something right. in the water in San Francisco. They all get hurt all the mm-hmm. time. So you can use that as your caveat that maybe someone's going to get hurt, but no, he, he is absolutely a bell cow. Even when Elijah Mitchell got hurt, it was Trey Sermon and then he got hurt. And then it was, uh, uh Jeff Wilson, right. They, they just yeah. went next man up, maybe even hasty for a game. Hasty, so, yeah. 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 So that's awesome. Let's, let's tie these next two guys together, Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle, because mm-hmm. they're now on the same team. Right. And, and people are really struggling with this one because Tyree kill older, I think he's 28, um, he will be 28th this whole season, I think. And mm-hmm. so he's right there as wide receiver 12 in DLF and wide receiver 12 for me. Jalen Waddle, I'm a little bit higher on in, in DLF. He's wide receiver 11. I got him at wide receiver six. So <clears throat> I kind of mm-hmm. see him as, I don't know, people are saying, you know, it's going to be Tyreek Hill and then Jalen Waddle. And 
I'm not trying to diminish Tyreek Hill, but I think Jalen Waddle is that guy where maybe just because of the routes that they ran. And I don't know if they use Jalen Waddle the same this year, because I think he was underutilized. Um, it didn't quite match up what he does really, really well, right. And stretching the field, they use him really as this slot, uh, screen gimmicky guy, which he does really well. Cause he's so twitchy, but also I think he can do more down the field. And I hope that they do that um, with both of them, but I don't know, man. I, I, I think Jalen Waddle can be right there with Tyreek. Maybe he doesn't, it doesn't surpass him year one, but by year two, um, Tyreek Hill goes, goes another year earlier. Jalen Waddle's hitting that, that year three. I'm just big on, on Waddle's potential, and, and I think he's going to be that dude. How do you rank these two guys? Uh, so, I don't know. Like, three weeks ago, I said on SDLF that, like, I think Waddle's going to outproduce Tyreek Hill. And um, he did. Yeah. So this like, year. Yeah. Let's go. This year. This year. Let's go. So, and everybody's like, oh, the contract. Like, look, look at what the Dolphins just did. They went out and acquired him, and they gave up this, and, they, and here's a contract. And, like, I get it, but understand that the Dolphins are not – paying money based on what they expect fantasy production to be. Tyreek Hill is a game-changing wide receiver be- when he doesn't touch the football. He helps your team whether he has the ball in his hands or not. Yeah. Like Steph Curry in the finals being on the court, you have to play defense differently because he can shoot it from literally anywhere, right? right. So it's the same thing. Tyreek Hill can score from anywhere on the field. You have to respect his speed. And he still can command that. And when you play defense differently, what's that going to do to everyone else on the, yes. And you take a guy that had 142 targets last year as a rookie. Okay. That doesn't happen very much. His 104 receptions. I want to say is the most ever. I have to verify, but I think. Yeah. Beat Bolden. Anquan Bolden had it at a hundred on the dot. I think. Mm-hmm. At Like what he did. It's almost like because of what chase did we don't appreciate what waddle did quite as much and what he did was was amazing and i think especially thinking about dynasty there's no chance i'd want tyree kill over jillian waddle i don't want to diminish tyree kill i don't right. think his, i don't think he's going to have a terrible fantasy season but i would not be surprised if his value to the dolphins is higher than his value to your fantasy team if that makes sense no, it does. And I really like how you, you voice it that way because it is so true. I mean, you can be a threat without even touching the football and he's for sure going to do that. I just think we also need to take into account that there's just a different environment, right? Tyree Kill had been playing with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid offense for four years. It's going to look a little bit different. It might take a, a little bit of time. There might be games where he's not the guy getting eight to 12 targets along mm-hmm. with Travis Kelsey, right? There might be a game where it's a, a Waddle game and there might be a little bit of a Gasicki and Edmonds game. It's like it might just be a little bit more where it's not Tyreek and Kelsey focused, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think there, there's going to be some different uh, efficiencies in their passing game because as much as I like Tua, I'm not going to say he's Patrick Mahomes level yet for sure, right? right? So there's right. going to be some efficiency drop off there. And mm-hmm. and so I think all that needs to be accounted for. And, and I think Tyreek Hill is going to be just fine this year. But And, and it seems like I have him ranked where, where most people do. I, I, I felt like I was lower on him, but – Wide receiver 12, it looks like it's wide receiver 12 ADP-wise. It's just maybe I'm higher on Waddle where I didn't have the gall to say it. Sounds like on Ask DLF, you said it. Like, mm-hmm. he could have the better year. And I'm like right – I'm like 45% Jalen Waddle has the better year. Like, I'm almost to the 50-50 mark. And so, if I think they're that mm-hmm. close, like, why don't you take the guy – and most people are, right? He, he's he's higher in 
well, just barely, right? DLF, ADP, he's wide receiver 11 to wide receiver 12. So, like, people are really split on that. But I think it's once you added the age and just what the future has for Waddle, I think it's no no comparison. I think he is acquirable, too. Like, I th- I, like he is somebody I have tried in my dynasty leagues to go out and get because I think, you know, there's, there's enough to a hate. And then you add Hill, and I think he becomes – Somebody you can go get, and if I can go get him, I'm I am absolutely trying, no doubt. Have you have you sent like like, like let's talk offers because again we talk okay. about this pre-show like whenever yeah. people say you know hey I'm I'm going out and buying him like I think it's so tough because the listeners like what what do I offer is a 2023 first enough and I would say probably not unless you're like going to be one of the top three four picks depending on how you view the prospects so mm-hmm. you probably need to add something else because you're, it's going to be hard to beat that type of wide receiver pr- prospect profile with his rookie season that he had, even with some of those concerns you laid out. So I'm just pulling up here. What my last, um, if you give me just a second yeah, to, yeah. because I, I, when I acquired him most recently, it is on a team where I am quote unquote rebuilding. I mean, I, I definitely have like, I've got like, I don't know, seven, 20, 23 first in that league already. Ooh. My team, it, I, I won a championship and then like tried to, go in next season but then like it, it it was time for me to start acquiring picks and yeah. um when i uh it's not okay so i traded cam Akers and david bell and got and got jalen waddle so wow yeah wow man like cam Akers, and i don't know if we have him on our list to talk about today but like that's that's pretty good that's that's really good for me like i'm i'm all about that um, especially when we have that injury concern with Akers, like you can feel however type of way you want about him. Um, mm-hmm. There's definitely uh, an injury risk and we haven't seen anybody come back successfully, successfully from that and produce for fantasy, right? They've mm-hmm. come back and they've ran the football. And it's been fine, but been a successful fantasy producer. We, we still think that's an unknown, not saying it can't happen, but there's definitely a risk. And so if you were able to move that and David Bell, who I like, like, man, no one's going to, right. no one's going to ring the bell harder for David Bell than me, man. A- any David Bell tweet, I just comment, mm-hmm. ring that bell. <laughs> and so like I'm I'm right there, but that's that's a win for me, man. And that's I think the kind of move that I try to make, you know, especially if you're rebuilding like running backs are the last thing I'm gonna add to my roster. I'm gonna I'm gonna build around, you know, cornerstone type pieces where I believe I believe Waddle's gonna maintain his value for for a long time at this point. Like I you come in and do that your rookie year. I have no reason to think the next four or five years, you're not going to maintain some serious fa- value in fantasy. And so, you know, I, I don't know what Cam Akers is going to do four years from now, but I know Jalen Waddle is going to have more value and oh, for sure, for you sure. know, so it's, it's a, um, yeah. Thinking about that's a whole other thing we could get into, but I, like juggernauts win dynasty leagues once they've been around for a while. And to me, like, that's what you have to be when you're building. Remember, good teams the same team in redraft that wins isn't the same team that typically in a good dynasty league that lasts for a long time that wins yeah yeah i love how you said that one piece that you add running backs last that's something ryan mcdowell uh preaches a lot and mm-hmm. and that's something i'm terrible with i'm the, i'm the running back guy that wants to make sure i've got because running backs are so scarce right i want to make sure i've got my running backs but i found in the leagues where i've been more successful is i wait on those running backs and i let a javante williams fall to me at the 110 or i mm-hmm. let you know, some of these other running backs who people have questions about fall to me and I'm focused on those wide receivers in the startup and the, and the two quarterbacks and super flex. And yeah, that's definitely when I look back, I'm like, well, when you went hard at running back, you, you kind of struggled. Or if you had success, you didn't quite get over the hump. And the next year they were all 20, 
six and they didn't have the same value, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, I'm all about that. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. We've got a couple more names, but I want to switch to our disagreements just to make sure we get some of these guys. And then maybe we can lump all the tight ends in together. Because I think this is maybe the like we want to label the show. It's the Trey Lance disagreement show, because I think yeah. you're on one end of the spectrum and, mm -hmm. I'm, and I'm on the other. And I'd love to just kind of hear your your case, because I've read it a little bit and I've, I've seen a little bit of your stuff, but maybe not a ton of the listeners have heard it. But like give us like where you have Trey Lance, maybe rankings wise or where you, where you view him and then why you're mm -hmm. so high on him. So just rewind and listen to everything I said about Jalen Hurts, but assume that the that the Eagles had used three first round picks and all the draft capital to acquire him. Right. Now you feel really good about how long he's going to be there. And there is not a single player in DLF's ADP, a quarterback who is younger than Trey Lance. Like we're talking about a like he just made 20 basically. And he is like not, maybe not just made 20, but he's very young, whatever it is. I, I forget the exact number. I just looked yeah. that up to look at it again, but um, elite rushing ability. When I say that some people, most people agree, but like there are some people who might challenge that. And, but as a 19 year old, he had over a thousand rushing yards in college. And that is, there's a short list of people who, who do that and you can downplay his competition and that's fine. But, but He's got the ability to do it. And even if you think it's not elite, let's say if you think it's close to elite, he's got Kyle Shanahan who's like really good at creating running, like rushing ability and like uh, rushing lanes and schemes that work really well for people who know how to run the ball. And so if you're like, if you look at the way things open up when you've got somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo that's handing the ball off, just think about how things can open up and what he must have been thinking when he want, wanted to add Trey Lance and what he felt like it could do to his offense. And so, you know, again, go back and think about like, okay, Mitch Trubisky, let's just say he's a bust. And I think that's the thing like, is like, yes, he could bust. I'm a hundred percent. He could be not a good quarterback. I don't think we have enough evidence to say he's definitely a good quarterback, but let's just say worst case scenario, he's not a good quarterback. How many starts did Mitch Trubisky get? I don't even know what the number is, but whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a few. Yeah. He's going to get starts. And if he starts and he's running the ball and that, let's just say that's the only good thing. The only thing he's good at Kyle Shanahan's smart enough to take advantage of it. And Kyle Shanahan is going to get the most out of it. And he's, wants him to succeed. Like he, he is motivated to have him succeed because of how much he gave up for the franchise to get him. That's his guy. And so if he's going to start a lot and he's got a solid floor because of his rushing ability, I feel like that is like, if he's quarterback 12, I believe now in ADP, there's no chance that's not top eight next season in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like, I think, I think I actually have, have, differed from my year one thoughts of Trey Lance. And I'm starting as I realize and I look at ADP and I'm like, man, I'm not as far off as I used to be. I think my thing was when he was quarterback 11 last year, 
And mm. it was very apparent, at least to me. And, and I, I'll be honest, I felt like I was on an island. At least this year, like I feel like I have, okay, there's a couple people coming out of the woodworks. Like maybe mm-hmm. people see there, there's a potential downside as well. But last year, I felt like it was all ceiling. Nobody saw floor. It was like, I don't think this guy's going to start this year. Like that's where I was at. And people were like, no, 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 he's going to mm-hmm. start week one, or maybe he starts, you know, week five. And he ended up did, you know, he started what week three, week four, because of injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's where I was like, hey, you got to understand that year one could be a zero. Now that doesn't mean in dynasty you're that worried about it because we know that year one can be a zero and you can ball out when you have, like you're saying, I like how you put it, a rushing floor. Some people say rushing ceiling. And I like saying mm-hmm. rushing floor because that's like, hey, baseline, he has a, a horrendous game of 150 yards and a pick, right? No mm-hmm. touchdowns. Hey, he's still at 80 yards rushing. So add, you know, eight points is that floor. Now just add on a little bit more for the passing, right? That's his bad game. So I completely understand that. And that's why I have him at QB 15, right? And so when we say that, it's like maybe I don't dislike him as much as I did before, where I had him maybe quarterback 17 or 18 and people had him at quarterback 11. And I was like, guys, like, let's mm-hmm. wait, right? That there's going to be a year that you need to account for. And so I guess where I'm at is that I think that I think about the, the floor a little bit more than most people think about the ceiling. And I get it when you're taking these swings with these super flex quarterbacks that have this type of rushing floor or rushing floor, I would say he's not Lamar Jackson to me, but he's Jalen hurts. Like he's absolutely Mm -hmm. in the same realm where he isn't as fast as Lamar Jackson, isn't as shifty, but he is as a bulldozer like Jalen hurts. And and I think people don't really realize that. Like they, they either they go one way or the other, right? They're like, I don't know. His rushing isn't near Lamar Jackson. Like, yeah, we're, we're not saying that, but like he's right there with, with Mm -hmm. a Jalen hurts. Who's one of, I'd say, you know, a top three, four rusher in this league. So um, for me, th- there's a lot of questions with that rookie pro or that prospect profile, just because I do take the FCS uh, into account because we've seen Flacco Wentz, and now he's the third guy that's gone in the first round from an FCS level. You can't deny that there's been production there. Again, our production is against schools worse than James Madison, and I think the other one was oh I'm blanking now, but Arkansas State or something like that, and. And so for me, there's central Arkansas. And, mm. and so if he struggled against central Arkansas and, and, and James Madison, except for his rushing, which he, he's obviously the Russians there, we're not arguing that. I want to see how that translates when he hops an entire level to the NFL. And I knew it's going to take a little bit. So I'm not saying he can't be great. I'm just saying I want to make sure I buffer for what I think is a higher risk than what, more, than what people think. Um, that he might not be the guy. He might just be this middling guy that, hey, the, the fantasy is there in kind of that low-end QB1, high-end QB2 for, for a couple years. And like you say, and I think you made a great point with Jalen Hurts, and I completely agree, and Mitchell Trubisky, he can get the next opportunity. But where are we ranking Mitch Trubisky now? Like he's not top 25. He's probably outside that, right? So I, I, don't, wanna, I don't want this to come off that I'm comparing him to Mitch Trubisky, but if we're talking about mm. the, hey, you trade up for – to the third pick and, and use all those assets. There's, there's maybe that floor of Mitchell Trubisky, right? 25. And then Jalen hurts next year. If he goes to another spot. So talk to me a little bit about that. Cause I, I just, I'm worried that I, I, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm speaking at two sides of my mouth because I say I haven't seen it before, but I also want to be the guy that sometimes mm-hmm. I go in before I've seen it. I've just seen if you, if you created a, can this quarterback bust, He's a guy that only had 318 passing attempts in, in college. That's the least mm-hmm. amount of any round one quarterback ever, 500 or 200 less than, than Kyler Murray, who was second lowest. He had less starts than everybody not named Cam Newton, Kyler Murray, uh, Mitchell Trubisky, and a couple other guys, Dwayne Haskins, and a couple other guys. 
Um, and then we have the level jump of competition, right? So again, mm-hmm. I'm hitting on all stuff as a prospect. Like we talk about, Hey, he's got Kyle Shanahan. He's in the NFL. He's had, he's had that rookie year to digest it. And now he's the guy absolutely can fix it. I've talked for too long, man. Give me, give me some rebuttals. No. I, so man, so much of what you're saying is right. And I think if we're having a, if I think if the conversation is, is Trey Lance going to be successful or not, that is a, to me, that's a legitimate, like, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that because yes, everything you're saying about like his level of competition, all that stuff. Like, I think all of that and three, 300 and whatever pass attempts, like that's legitimate. Like we, I think we all should look at that and say, there is a gigantic question mark. And if you say, you know, the answer of how this is going to turn out, you have no idea. Like, I mean, yeah. So but that's that, that's a legitimate question because so then you all has you have the other side of it where he runs for a thousand yards and has the most pass attempts that year without having an interception like yeah you got that other side of it where it's like okay yeah but he's he threw the ball pretty well there and again competition all that stuff but still nobody had ever done that like you can have like that level of competition and still it's not like every year somebody's out there throwing 25 touchdowns and no interceptions right like Correct. that doesn't happen Correct. So there is something good and, and, and like I, I, you could argue both sides. And that's why I think it's an interesting question. What I think about when I think about my dynasty team is not necessarily the success at the NFL level. Um, I'm thinking about how can I make sure that I'm positioning, positioning myself in a way where I have got um, my team's going to continue to build in value. And if I don't like something, I'm going to be able to flip this guy for something. And I don't think there's a scenario where Trey Lance is just not starting games and therefore everybody's out on him coming into next year. I just don't, to me, like the level of bad he would have to be, I just don't think is in the actual realm of possibilities because you look at, again, Mitch Trubisky, 51 games. He was bad. Nobody really loved what what he was doing. He still got 51 games uh, in Chicago. Josh Allen, nobody thought Josh Allen was doing well, right? Like they're like his completion percentage, all these things. Right. He still had value. Like you could still like trade him for something at some point. Whereas Malik Willis is not going to get those same opportunities. He's not going to like somebody didn't invest in him. So it's like when you think about the difference between the draft capital and what's being invested in it. And it's not that person's better because the draft capital was higher, which some people say, I just think it means that team is going, that person is going to get more opportunities to succeed and fail than somebody who has a third round draft capital. If that makes sense. So I think when I say floor, I mean, he's going to get a lot of, lots of opportunities to figure it out. Whereas Malik Willis may hopefully one day get one opportunity. No, you're, you're completely right because this was a conversation that I jumped in on with with Heath Cummings and, and Rich Harbour. Um, I always mess up the Rebar? name. Yeah. Rebar, Rebar. Yeah. Yep. And, and they were kind of doing the same thing about, like, they, they said the leash. You know, how long is the leash, right? Mm-hmm. And this was for last year, and they were saying, who would you rather have, Jalen Hurts or Trey Lance? And, and for me, they were kind of close. For Heath, they were kind of close. And for Rich, he was like, no, 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 this is Trey Lance. He's going to have – four years like they're not going to mm-hmm. invest all this and then not have him Jalen Jalen Hurts if he struggles this year could be gone and, and so there's 
that 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 there's no argument that goes to Trey Lance's side because of the capital they put into him. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think I've come a long way from year one because now it's it's kind of dropped a little bit and I've risen a little bit because now I'm not sitting. He's no longer sitting. He's going to be out there week one. And I have no questions about that. I know you said that on one of your pods where or maybe it was a tweet that I saw recently. It's like this is why Jimmy Garoppolo isn't traded yet. Like he's injured. They haven't thrown like that. So don't worry about it. And I completely agree. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it'll be interesting where we, we where we land here because I don't know if it's figured out year one, right? Like he can be mm-hmm. the fringe quarterback one, quarterback two, and he still has the same value next year. And people are mm-hmm. still like this side's still like, no, nope, he's terrible quarterback, but he produces a little bit. And then this side's like, yeah, he's maybe not the greatest quarterback, but he's still producing for my team and I won the championship. So. Yeah. So uh, this is it. Can, so one more thing. I know you want to, you want to move on, but I'm going to hold hold you up on, on this because I there's something really interesting I think here because we talked a little bit about what does it mean to be a buy, what does it mean to have value, like what what, what does all that stuff mean? And so whereas I do think that Jalen Waddle, if you're willing to pay what I think he's worth, he's acquirable right now. I have had way more trouble acquiring Trey Lance. And one of the things that doesn't get discussed, I think, enough in some of the buy sell conversations is that. Whoever was most high on the player you're trying to acquire already has him. Has him. And so it's not like anybody is going to be like shaken by Jimmy Garoppolo still being there because they, when they invested in him, Jimmy Garoppolo was already there. It's the reason why I think Waddle is a little bit more acquirable is because you got so much change going on. And then you bring in a Tyreek Hill who cast a big shadow. And I think, Again, you still have to pay up for him, but I think people are willing to pay. Right now with Lance, the responses I'm getting more than anything is that I don't want to trade him now because I think he's going to, like, he is immediately going to be a QB 7, 8, whatever, as soon as, um, as soon as Garoppolo is traded. And so I think that is, people invested in him assuming Jimmy was going to be traded at some point. He just hasn't yet. Right. And I think he's harder to acquire. So every league is different. The economy in every league is different. And, you know, do I think I could tell a story why he's a buy? Sure. But I have had a hard time actually buying and acquiring uh, Trey Lance. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. There, There's a reason why us Rojo truthers were always like, this is the year. This is the year. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I had to keep waiting. And he had a little bit of success there. But, yeah, we're always, you know, if you're a truther of that, that, Fan, you already have him. So you, mm-hmm. like when people say, "Hey, you need to buy," it's like, "No, nah, 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 I'm, I'm ahead of you. I already got him." Okay, in all mm-hmm. the leagues. So yeah, that's a that's a great point, and I'm excited to review this because I know that this is one of the more polarizing players. It's starting to become like I felt like it was kind of a one one sided conversation, but you're right. This year, it's his, his values dipped a little bit. Um, I've risen up a little bit, so I feel like there's less gap there. So love that conversation. Let's hit on some of these running backs because I think they're kind of maybe a little bit tied together. One's a little bit more age. One's a little bit more injury the last couple of years, but Zeke Elliott, Saquon Barkley. I think those two are really interesting because are you, you are a little bit lower on them. It sounded like, cause mm-hmm. I'm higher than consensus on Zeke and I'm higher than consensus on Saquon. You're either at consensus or lower. Yeah. Yeah. At consensus or at consensus or lower would probably be fair. Now Zeke's RB twenty four right now in DLF and the updated May, um, which is which sounds so good, right? Until, in my opinion, you start looking back and peeling back the numbers, and I and even if I'm trying to acquire him on a team where it's like, because 
everybody's like, oh, you get to a certain age, you gotta sell. I'm like, no, that's to me, that's like too simplistic. Like there are certain players where you can buy the rest of their career, right? Like you can buy the rest of Cooper Cup's career, and he's probably gonna make it worth it for you. Yes. You know, I, I don't care what his age is. Um, at some point he'll fall off, but like that's gonna happen for everybody. But there's certain players that I am willing to invest in. Uh, James Connor, for, for for example, I kind of like James Connor, but um, but Zeke to me, um, we we talk about where he finished and he had this and you know and like so much of that is like he was healthy and ultimately accumulated a lot of points. But when you look, so from week seven a, a, after his bye to week eight on, he was twenty fifth in points per game. He was not this. Nobody liked having Zeke. Like he had one 20 point game. Nobody wanted him on their squad. And so many other people who quote his year long stats, you could tell never actually had him on a team and had to look at his stats every week, you know, disappointed that he didn't help him again. Right. So I think there's so much of, of that in him that even if I wanted to invest in the rest of somebody's career, it wouldn't be Zeke. So part of its age, I, I don't think he maintains value. Um, going forward really but i just also don't think i'm getting a player that i'm going to be excited to have in my lineup that i think is going to help me yeah and this conversation probably bridges another one and i think it's a good one so i know we might go a little bit longer than an hour but i think it's an important one there's the 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 big crux that everyone says you need to be out on these running backs by year 26 27 and i can't remember who made the point and a lot of us have kind of had this thought that we haven't had great running backs all that frequently mm-hmm. make it and, and produce in those years because we haven't had a class like the 2017 class. And I know Zeke's 2016, but I'm going to lump him because he was, he's, he's basically the same age as Alvin Kamara, Dalvin cook. He's mm-hmm. a year older um, than, than Mixon. So he's right there with all of these guys. And we haven't seen running backs that were this talented, get that capital and have this production that have played to year 27, 28, 29. Like we have a little bit, but, not a ton recently. And so people say that that's, that's when you're done. And for me, mm-hmm. I think that some of these guys and, and a lot of situations will be different, right? Not all of them will be great. Some will be great, but for me, and I think, I think you said the one word that I, I, I actually flip on its head. You said he was healthy. I would say he played all 17 games, but he had a PCL mm-hmm. injury week four that I think it's overlooked a lot. I don't, I honestly don't know how many people know about this unless mm-hmm. you're a follower of the Cowboys like I am. And so people will say, Hey, you're biased. I'm like, no, no, no. I try and take out my bias. Like I'm actually super down on some Cowboys, but mm-hmm. this is one where if you look at the splits from week four, um, one through four, which I get, we can do small sample size. I hundred percent understand that, but Week one through four, he's averaging 5.3 yards per carry, 7.5 yards per reception, 85 yards per game. He has four touchdowns in those four games. PCL injury happens uh, in that game four. So game five, um, he actually didn't do that bad. But games week five through the end of the season, he's only at 49 yards a game. He's at three-point yards per carry. He's at 5.8 yards per reception. Like he was noticeably different. They scale back his carries. That's when he becomes this unusable asset because he's getting nine, 10, 12 carries mm-hmm. at a time because he's clearly not healthy. And, and I think that what's compounded upon that is the 2020 season where we didn't have Dak for, I think Dak got injured week six against the Giants. So week seven and on, we have 
just backup quarterbacks until we got Andy Dalton, but then Andy Dalton gets a concussion. The line's changing. Everybody's uh, getting hurt. And I know this sounds like a bunch of excuses, but I think you, you talked about this in a different player when we were talking about context is important. When we're mm-hmm. talking about uh, production, context is important. And when Zeke's been healthy with his starting quarterback and Dak, He's been fantastic. He's been he's been a running back one. He's actually been a top five running back, someone that you cannot sit. And so I get it. Tony Pollard is definitely a cap on that ceiling, and we should talk about that. But mm-hmm. for him to be outside running back two range, um, I think is really interesting. And I agree with you that none of these running backs will gain any value. Once you hit that 26, especially with the class that we have coming in, and we think we're going to have some of these good running backs push them even farther down, they're not mm-hmm. going to gain value. But there's also a discussion to be had of what's value to you in a trade versus what's value on your roster right now. Mm-hmm. And, and the Zeke's, the Mixons, the, in my opinion, Barkley's, um, some of these guys, they're not, they're going to go down in value, but they're going to just stay steady as that low end running back one pr- producing for your team. And I think it's, it's going to be undervalued how good they are for producing for your team. So um, that's, that's just my, my quick little tidbit on, on Zeke is I think the injury thing and then being without Dak back-to-back years and, and talk about back-to-back years for Saquon, back-to-back injuries have suppressed his, his value a lot, right? He has a bad offensive system. He gets injured twice in a row, bad offensive line play, bad quarterback play. And I think you improve two of those three in the offensive system, getting Brian Dable and getting the offensive line a little bit more squared away. You have a healthy Andrew Thomas who missed a handful of games. You get mm-hmm. uh blanket on his name, Alabama, Evan Neal uh, at the other tackle. So you have, mammoths at your tackle positions like i don't know i think barkley being at 25 is someone that maybe he's not super undervalued in terms of the consensus adp but like people are just down on barkley in a way that i'm like this is a way different situation than last year's giants this is not your grandpa's giants right like this Mm -hmm. this is a little bit different i get that the daniel jones thing is the one caveat where you can be like well we're still not sure about him i i I don't know i think that that saquon barkley when healthy when he had, doesn't have to overcome coming off an injury, bad offensive system. Jason Garrett not throwing the, the football to his running backs ever in his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that That's stuff that I think is going to change with Saquon. Man, people like were so mad at me when I was when Jason Garrett got hired as offensive coordinator there, and I quoted that. People were so mad because they were like, no, that's just because he never had a running back like Saquon. You know, so clearly he's going to do this. And it just, you know, Jason Garrett showed that he had he had not called plays since 2012 at that point when he took that job. And so, yep. you know, you you started to see like the inefficiencies, the reason why that job got taken away from him in the first place. If you follow Dallas, like he he it was good that he had that job taken away from him. And um, so the thing about Saquon is let me just first say generational talent. I'm hundred percent in on that idea. I think he was coming in like he was unbelievable in college, his profile, everything about him, unbelievably like absurd, ridiculous athlete, what he could do between the tackles, what he could do with his long range speed. Like everything that he had in him was like everything you want in a running back. I don't think that person exists anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that, 2021 my favorite things about him my like the 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 highlights i love the most in him was when he would go borrow the booker jersey and wear that that was his best that was really always his best runs last year (laughs) and yeah like booker just looked like a better running back i know that the stats don't necessarily always back back that up but i just 
Like he does not to me appear to have the same explosiveness. It's 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 what I think about with Zeke too. Now, sure the PCL, sure that but at some point with Barkley, he's had one game over 65 yards since the end of 2019 rushing. Like in of course one of those he was hurt. But we're now like two years later. What is is he is there a version of him that shows back up and is the elite top tier running back that we've seen? I just, God, part of me wishes that was true. I wish yeah. Rashad Penny was still the same person, right? Because <laughs> I loved him in college too. I just think at some point you have to update and say, you those bodies get beat up and not everybody's Adrian Peterson, man. He came back and was like, he, he's a freak, but he's the outlier on a lot of that stuff. I just don't think, the same Saquon Barkley is there. Yeah. I don't take pride in saying that. I just am trying to do an honest evaluation of what I see when I watch him play. Yeah. You know? do, you, do you think there's any consideration to the year back from the ACL, right? Like I don't have the stats in front of me. I can't give you the numbers, but they, we, we've mm-hmm. had conversation on your year back from your ACL. You're not your, your top explosive self, but then you have that next year back and you are a little bit different a player. If you're not at that age, you know, 29, 30, unless you're Emmanuel Sanders who can get injured and come back better than ever. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, is, is there some conversation that, Hey, they're trying to rush Saquon back Barkley back to be back week one. And he probably comes back too early, which I, I think a lot of people would agree with. And then he just doesn't look great. I get it. The offensive round is terrible, but not everybody heals the same. You just said it, right? Like, like not everybody's mm-hmm. Adrian Pearson and I, and that's okay, but can he still come back? Like it, I, I see it. You uh, maybe you're seeing it more like Cam Akers, right? It's not the Achilles. We're not saying that, but like, hey, there's serious injuries still. Maybe there is a higher injury risk that you're taking into account. But I'm just saying, hey, ACL. We're now a full year removed from it, and I think all of these other things got better. So I'm putting him back close to where he was before, mm-hmm. not all the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so it, it some of it is in like, what are you going to show? So week two is when he got hurt in 2020. So it's not like he was a Odell Beckham gets hurts his ACL in the Super Bowl, right? Like he has, sure. in essence, almost a full year to come back. Last year, it was, um, you know, I heard Stefania Bell talking about it. And, you know, Jeff Muller, uh, Mueller over at um, DLF was talking about it, some other people, that every time there was a picture of him and something like coming up from the team, it was always from the side where you could see his, his like, his leg that had the injury was was hidden, and then one oh. came out, and it was the leg was smaller. And I, like, I, I'm not obviously, I'm not even close to really. Are right. you breaking ACL gate right now? We have no, five gate. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but like, it takes while to get that strength back, and you, yes. you know, and like it, like to get back. Saquon was this uber stud of like i mean his say quads right like you think about that that part of his game well he didn't have that in one side from one side and then he comes back and then what it was week five he gets hurt again right and so sure is there a a world in which like the additional rest helps him fine but you know we're, we're looking at a game log last year where sure there were some good things in the very beginning but he gets hurt comes back and then doesn't have another game. Um, eight, let's see, 18 and a half fantasy points was his best in PPR. 16 carries, 64 yards was his line there. He got in the yep. end zone on one of his receptions. Yep. Um, you know, was it the injury? Sure. But at what point can we stop 
with there's more excuses than there is fantasy points. And I need production on my fantasy team. And he gets hurt again, like it or lo- like you love it or hate it. But if something happens that doesn't go his way this season, his value is going to tank. And so what kind of asset do you want on your team? One that like, if you get like, if that happens, the value has gone and you're just, you're stuck with him. Or do you want somebody that like could sustain that? Like that type, you know what I mean? Like that is a, that's some of the calculus for me is it's risk. He's a very, he's a riskier asset than most people want to say, even with a lowered ADP. I'm going to pull up running back. I want to do a quick name game because I think this is going to be interesting. Oh, man. Oh, oh that's, that's 01. Hang on. I got to go back to or 2021. This is 2022 ADP for running backs. We have Barkley at running back eight. Would you have Mixon over him? Absolutely. Like not even close yeah, to me. Same. Right? Same. Yeah. But he's behind him. So that, that's one I'd have ahead. Um, let's 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 go the other direction. Let's go up. Uh, Austin Eckler is running back seven in front of him. Yeah, I'd absolutely rather have Eckler. Alvin Kamara. Um, I would because I, now I think Kamara's, and I'm a Saints fan, uh, you know, but like uh, right, right. Kamara's, um, his his downside is a completely different, it, it, different, different thing. If Kamara's on the field, he's going to be productive. It's a what happens with the lawsuit in Vegas, which is a totally different kind of calculus. I don't think you can buy, sell with him at all. I think right now, like if you've got him, you hold. I don't go try to acquire him if I've, you know, like I I think he's just somebody that like, I I don't think you could do much with right now. Whereas Barkley, I'm a little bit more worried about now. Look, does Dave all help and does, you know, all that fine. I could tell a story where a narrative where that works out, but I am just not going to bank on that. I like, and so he's to me, he's not somebody that I trust. If he's on the field, he's going to be super productive. Yeah. Uh, if we had more time, we'd get into Alvin Kamara uh, legal stuff. Cause I've been kind of writing that off, but you're obviously more in tune just in one sentence concerned uh, about, about Kamara's legal situation. I don't have enough like uh, expertise in any of the areas of what he's dealing sure. with. Right. So you're I, holding. I a big question mark, but, like I know that a suspension is possible because they've held on to Mark Ingram, and I don't think they would be holding on to Mark Ingram if they did if they thought who else that, do they have Tony Tony Jones right exactly two point six yards per carry Tony Jones YPC for yeah. life you know I I get it but and they trust Ingram and I think that's part of what, like they feel comfortable if I got to put him on the field I can put him on the field and I yeah. otherwise I don't think they would still have him on the team okay. Okay, that's great. We are, are not going to get our, to all of our guys because I don't want to keep you here for forever. But I do want to kind of just give you this hodgepodge of last names and you mm-hmm. just kind of put out, hey, this is a guy I feel strongly on, or maybe two, and mm-hmm. then we can have some more discourse here. Uh, some of our last guys, Travis Etienne, Rashad Bateman, Amari Cooper, and then we'll toss in Cole Komet. And then I actually want to go up to two guys we agree on. I think we had Dawson Knox and Dalton Schultz. So uh, a mm-hmm. couple tight ends in there. Uh, uh, Travis Etienne, I think, super interesting. Rashad Bateman, really, really interesting. Any mm-hmm. guys that stand out to you that you're like, this is a guy I'm super out on or super in on? So Bateman to me is like, this, he's the name that most people are like, oh, Bateman of the moon. And I get it. Like, there's a lot of things that I like in his prospect, prospect profile too. Like, he's a great prospect. And I think 
if he becomes the alpha receiver, the quote unquote alpha receiver that I, that people want want him to be, then great. He he wasn't great last year. Like he was he was okay. And now, of course, they get rid of Marquise Brown, and that you know opens up the door. But I do think the Ravens have been telling us and have been saying, and even in the you know the the career of the office coordinator there, they want to run the ball. They probably want to lead the NFL in rush attempts, and. When people are like, "Oh, it's a low volume pass passing game," okay, it, it was it was bigger last year, and but I don't think they want that. That's just my thing. I don't think they want to throw the ball near as much as they did. And when you look at the pass attempts for the Ravens the two years before, we're talking historically low, like in comparison to the rest of like a hundred and some like 130 pass attempts fewer than the Tennessee Titans two years ago, and they had a 2,000 yard rusher. Like that's how, and they were like 29th in the NFL in pass attempts, and they were like 150 pass attempts lower. So, I that just tells me a little bit about like they do not the the, the opportunity for him is not going to be even if it's a high target percentage, and I expect it to be. I think he he 25 percent target share, great. But if it's 400 pass attempts like it was two years ago, 100 targets is that going to be is that going to get you the production you're hoping for out of Stroud Bateman? No, it's not. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the one thing that you can argue with both sides. You can say, "Hey, they passed a lot this year," and everyone's going to say, "Like mm-hmm. Marquise Brown had X amount of targets." Mm-hmm. And then if you contextualize it a little bit and draw it back, well, <laughs> every single running back on their roster got hurt. Of course, they had to pass the ball. They they signed Devonte Freeman and. And I don't even know the other old running back. I forget these names because David Murray, I think. Yeah, yeah, right. There's, of course, they did. Right. And then you also peel that back a little bit further, and you say, well, Lamar Jackson was the most inefficient as a passer he's ever been because he Mm -hmm. didn't have a running game. Like he had a 3.6 touchdown percentage. He had a horrible yards per attempt. His air Mm -hmm. yards was 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 not great. Um, So uh, completed air yards was not great, and so. I think there's almost a yes, they dial it back more to their 475, 480 range where it's going to be one of the lower teams um, mm. in the league. But I definitely think the efficiency is there. And if you're telling me it's not a Marquise Brown kind of is is Tyreek Hill in Miami, where I think he's going to be use he was useful on on the Ravens before he had this breakout year last year, more than just him getting the football. But Rashad Bateman is, is going to be that more consistent. He's he's going to get the football a lot more because he's more of a possession receiver. Now, is his his yardage is high? Probably not. But I just don't know where else they're going. They're going Mark Andrews and him. So if you're telling me, hey, he can get 125 targets because he's going to get 23, 23% of their, of their um, target share if they only throw 475 times, sign me up. Like I, I get mm-hmm. it. People are going to go over. Um, they're going to do too much right uh, on him. And, and maybe that's what's happened. And I have to look at where I put the ADP for him. Where, where is that? At? That's wide receiver 25 in DLF ADP. I've got him right there at wide receiver 21. So I'm just slightly higher, mm-hmm. but prospect profile. He was right there. Uh, you have chase Waddle for me. And then I had him there with Devonta Smith um, as kind of the wide receiver three and four. And, and just a guy that, that can run any route and, and I think that's exactly what Lamar Jackson needs. Like we had Marquise Brown for it's fantastic. And what he does really, really well, maybe doesn't always mesh the best with Lamar Jackson's skill set. And, and Rashad mm. Bateman is that guy that's going to 
maybe not create separation vertically, but create separation laterally just because he's a more nuanced route runner. So interested about that. And I think he's, he's going to have that year, but you're right. There's, there's not a, again, well, let's contextualize upside. I don't think the, the wide receiver one upside is there, but I think having a very solid wide receiver two um, season is there. So that that's one where we're probably actually closer than, than we're, that we're letting on with that context. Cause I don't see the wide receiver one season. I don't see the high end wide receiver two season, but I think yeah. he's very, very safe because we have Devin Duvernay, we have James Prochet. And, and I, I get it. He didn't do much as a, as a rookie also had the core muscle injury uh, mm-hmm. until week six. And, and again, I, I hate being the guy that's making excuses because of injury, but I also am the guy that's saying, I'm going to take the injury discount every time. And maybe that's why all these guys on our disagreements, Travis Etienne's another one. Mm-hmm. Like I buy injury discounts like no other, because I, in my opinion, I'm not saying you do this, but like, I don't know how to predict injuries. So if I understand mm-hmm. that I think the talent's good and I don't have a year after year, after year, after year, which we can get in that conversation with Saquon mm-hmm. one more year, we're probably there. But all these other guys, I'm not going to predict that injury. I'm going to predict, hey, they were a great prospect. They're in a good situation to get get volume or, or at least a good target share for Rashad Bateman. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be in on that. So, um, yeah, yeah. It, for him, like it's it's um, it, it it's just that I need to know. I need to feel like the offense is going to be um, throwing the ball more than I think they actually are. Like. When I, that's why one of my conversations with Heath Cummings was about projections. And I think that, like, when you start trying to be honest with what you think is going to happen and you start dividing this up, so 25% target share would be awesome for him. If it's 525 pass attempts, that's going to be great. Two years ago, Lamar Jackson in 15 games had 376 pass attempts. That is an, abysmally low amount okay give him 25 percent of that you're not close to a wide receiver two at that point right even if he's amazing and i think he is it's just what's the size of the pie and because if you're giving me 25 percent of a 20 inch pie that's a lot better than 30 (laughs) percent of a 10 inch pie right so like that's it's more that's more my concern is volume with him but i'd love the talent and I just wish he wasn't in Baltimore because Lamar Jackson is not going anywhere that to me, like they're not going to all of a sudden become this high passing volume team because it, it didn't go well last year. That's why they had to do that. Right. Like it wasn't like they, they didn't have, they weren't as successful as they were two years ago. So I just think there's too, a lot of things working against him. And I think it's unfortunate because I yep. like him. Yep. There's definitely that, that ceiling cap for sure. Can agree with you there. And this is good. I, I feel like yeah. we, if we wanted to drag this out, we could, we could do your ass DLF and, and just have a two hour, two and a half hour show. It almost feels like. Yeah. And this is, this is so much fun because I think there is a lot of like, there's so many perspectives. And when we start looking at some of these uh, teams, I've heard like Sigmund Bloom talk a lot about like range of outcomes. And I, I don't think we would disagree in terms of like, if we were to say, what's the best case, what's the worst case. I don't think we would disagree a lot in terms of the range that we know is possible for these players, but you probably, maybe there's some that you're more optimistic about where you think it's going to be on the higher end. And I think it's maybe on the, on the lower end, but that's part of what makes this so much fun. I love talk. I love, that's why I love fantasy football. I love talking about it. And, you know, when we see this happen in the, on, on the field this year, we're all going to say who would have thought and none of us would be right. Right. So it's, yep. it's great. I love it. 
And, and that's why I like some of these conversations because you and I both are on different ends of the spectrum sometimes, but definitely in our agreements, we're not with consensus all the time. Like we're mm-hmm. both higher on Michael Pittman and people are like, wait, well, how can you, how can you expect this? Like we're, we're going to, you know, lead the charge on some of these players with, with, with their value. So um, I love that. Let's, let's wrap this up with, with just you telling people where you're at. I have kind of talked about ask DLF, um, Tell me what else you're doing, because I, I feel like I've looked at a lot of stuff and I feel like your hands in yeah. a little bit of, of everything. But what else you want to promote? Just just hit everybody with what you're doing. At Calvin and Hobby is my uh, Twitter handle. And most of what I do is, you know, you can find from there. But the DLF YouTube page is something that, you know, we're we're doing a lot of really interesting things. It's June. And you, hey, you're looking for let's let's figure out how to create some content here a lot of the rookie drafts at this point like the content's already out there so let's find some fun things and we did uh me and addison played some sporkle games which was kind of fun to do on youtube getting out of you know out of my comfort zone a little bit it's not really what i you know typically do but i love i love i had so much fun doing it and addison's really good with some of his the way he edits things and uh so yeah you could check out check out the dlf youtube page that is you know make sure you are look I have a lot of fun there and I think there's a lot of good content, but Addison does an amazing job of what he does. The Wednesday show with Peter and Russ and Zach Reed stops in there. There's a lot of great things that you'll find on the the YouTube channel there at DLF and it's free resource to, it's going to make you smarter when you pay attention. It really will. And so, yeah, that's, that's the main thing I would point people to. I appreciate you giving me that opportunity. Yeah, man, a, a lot of different personalities on DLF. So it's kind of like, what what's your style? What do you like? Because you can gravitate towards those players, uh, those speakers, or you can mm-hmm. say, hey, I disagree with everything Ron McDowell says. I want to listen to him hype up wide receivers when I'm a running backs guy. Now I start to evolve my thinking a little bit. I'm like, maybe he's not wrong. I just need to go after those guys secondarily. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm trying to challenge what I think a lot. Um, that's why that's honestly like you and I've been discussing a lot, but I was like, man, this guy's super high on Trey Lance. Let's have a little bit of Trey Lance talk and maybe I'm missing something. And I come to find out we're actually not too far off. It's just mm-hmm. you know, that, that range of outcomes that you talk about. So love that. He said it. You can find him at Calvin and hobby on, on Twitter, find him on DLF's YouTube. They're, they're, they're doing uh, live shows. So you guys can get in there and ask him mm-hmm. uh, whatever your thoughts are. He says he's got all these, those are the toughest shows because you don't know what's coming at you. You just got to be ready for any of these things. Oh, uh, and, it, and, you know, Tyler is the guy that I do the show with Tyler Carp. Yeah. And, you know, there's like, he is, what amazes me is there's never a time where somebody asks him a question where he fumbles around for the answer. Like I, like there are a lot of like, you know, the, he is always, he's, he's prepared and, He's got his opinions and you're going to hear it. And I, and like, I, I think he's got a lot of things that you can learn from. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun to do that. We've added in a third person now, like where it's kind of a rotating spot. Hutch, Hutch will be there this week. And uh, there's just some you know, different people that are coming through. So uh, it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun. You know what? I wanted to say Scott Connor is on that on YouTube too. That's another guy I just want. I don't know if people know Charles Chill, all that, you know, I know people know of him probably, but, um, when you talk about game theory and breaking down like how to play dynasty, the puzzle that you're trying to put together with your team, he is so good at that part of it. And like you said, different personalities, different things are good at. You'll learn something, even if you don't necessarily adopt what, what this person says, get the different perspectives because it'll make you a better player. 
Yeah, no doubt. You, you bring him up, and I think of guys like John Bosch and then our own Christian Welch, uh, a guy that's grown in the industry a lot. Like They mm-hmm. play it like it's a stock market. They don't care about the names. Mm-hmm. They just care about that, that, that value where it's at, and they're going to flip it maybe within weeks. Like Dynasty is a week-to-week thing for some of these guys, and mm-hmm. so I like hearing about those things because I'm not there yet, and I'd love to be there in one of my leagues just to test it out. So, mm-hmm. so many different ways to play. Uh, and love hearing all these different thoughts. So that's why we're having guests like you on, because we love to hear these different thoughts. Everybody, Tom's going to be officially back. Tom's my main co-host for those uh, new to the show and for you, Cal. He's, he's the main host. He's been a little bit of hiatus. You know, you know, mm-hmm. you take a little summer vacation, going to see uh, Florida, all the trees, just whatever, whatever he's got going on. You know, he's he's gone, but um, he's going to be back next week. And we're pumped up to have him back. He adds uh, a lot of fun to the show. So we'll have him. We'll have another guest. We're going to be talking probably more different values because i know it's hey it's another value show well we're gonna be talking new players new buys new sells and what what we would use uh to acquire them or move them so uh, that's all i've got thank you all for tuning in thank you all for watching Soon may the woman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tongue is done, we'll take our leave and go. She had not been two weeks from shore when down on her right whale bore. The captain called all hands on shore. He'd take that whale and go. Soon may the woman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.